We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the NFL Week 18 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, presented as always by the great folks over at BetMGM. As has been the case for the last four months, please, if you're going to wager on the NFL this weekend or the weekend after, or anytime during the playoffs, or really anytime ever throughout your entire life, make sure you're doing that over at BetMGM. You can go to the BetMGM app, you can go to betmgm.com and use our promo code. Bet Roto, that's B E T R O T O. Get that first wager risk free up to $1,000. I am Nick Whalen, back with my main man, John McKechnie. John, I've had so much fun doing this pod with you all year. I cannot believe we are at week 18 already. We will be doing this throughout the playoffs. So, you know, I don't want to make this seem like any sort of swan song, but uh, wild that, that we are already in the final week of the regular season. Yeah, it really did fly by, uh, you know, like that. this is sort of like a signpost for my weeks always. It's like, OK, Thursday afternoon, like we're, we're rocking this pod and then all of a sudden football wall to wall for the rest of the weekend. And, and you know, here we are. But yeah, I mean, we, we've we've done this pod from so many different locales. You from Colorado, me from my mom's basement. I mean, like, you know, the list really goes on. It's been an impressive run with the, uh, the fortitude that we've had to, uh, to make it work every single week of the season and deliver uh, middling betting advice. It, you know, what, what more could you ask for? Yeah. Middling might be generous uh, to be honest, <laughs> uh-huh. but uh, like we, we are coming in somewhat hot. You know, we, we, we hit on the Jags made that the, uh, the split second decision best bet last week. Uh, I believe I was deciding between, Jags minus four and Eagles minus six and a half. Right. So we dodged a significant bullet. Uh, although pretty much every uh, bet or, or parlay that I that I ended up tossing in last weekend involved the Eagles. So uh, you know that was a, a bit of a negative development. But we'll get into the Eagles in a little bit. Uh, we got a few things we want to hit at the top of the show, and then we'll, we'll get into our usual format, talking about the lines going game by game. Uh, of course, we need to start with Demar Hamlin, Buffalo Bills, and look, I, our, our mood is is so much uh, brighter now than it was a few days ago. You know, we, we'd been doing the XM show all week. You joined us on Tuesday. At that point, we still had really no definitive updates. We, we got a few, uh, you know, kind of reports here and there, but nothing definitive. And really in the last 24 to 36 hours, it's been all positive. And that's especially been the case today. We're, we're, we're recording this Thursday night. Um, you know, the update from the Bills on Hamlin this morning, they said he, he appears to have full neurological function uh, still working back in terms of his, his respiratory strength but 
uh, man, I mean, just amazing news all around. Uh, you know, th- there's a report that he, you know, was even able to, to ask about the result of the game you know, as, as if that matters at all. Uh, but really, really cool. Um, really encouraging everything that that's going on with DeMar Hamlin. So, um, you know, wanted to acknowledge that right away and, and kind of get your general thoughts. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we talked, like you said, on, on Tuesday on the XM show and, and yeah, I mean, it was dour. I mean, we, we, you know, it was kind of radio silence other than, uh, what we received early, early Tuesday morning, uh, you know, that he was still with us and we, you know, we, it was kind of touch and go there as far as the, the information coming out basically until, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday afternoon. And all of a sudden, you know, things are looking up, he's communicating like, uh, you know, all these positive things. And it's, it's such a huge relief because, you know, what we saw Monday night, as we discussed was like, you know, one of the most jarring, if not the most jarring, like live sporting event, uh, mm-hmm. happenings that of our lifetime really. So, I mean, for, for him to be able to, to pull through like this is, you know, it just, it lifts everything. It, it makes yeah. you feel so much better because I mean, that was, that was about as dark as it gets. Yeah. It, it really completely shifts the mood around the entire league. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's going to be you know celebratory by any means this weekend, but you'd already see, I mean, there are a number of players who are, you know, reaching out about, you know, Hey, can I, can I get a DeMar Hamlin Jersey to wear during warmups, things like that. I think there's going to be, it's going to be a huge display of, of just kind of love and care for DeMar Hamlin across the league uh, this week. And, you know, I, I don't know how long he's going to remain in the ICU, remain hospitalized, but um, just, so, so relieved and, and, and happy that uh, things are moving in the right direction. And, you know, we, we really have no choice but to look at this from a professional perspective, you know, looking ahead to week 18. I, I didn't really have a huge issue with how the NFL handled this. I know some were critical about how long it took to end up uh, suspending that game on Monday. I get that, um, you know, I think given the, the weight of the situation, um, I, I do see it from both sides. NFL probably should have called the game earlier. I, I, I understand that, but that's all in the past. I, I do think you know, DeMar Hamlin making so much progress and everything looking so, so bright right now, it makes this entire decision-making process for the NFL a little bit easier, or at least it takes some of the pressure off because there are still some major decisions that have to be made. And as the time of recording here on Thursday, uh, we're still not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen with that Bills Bengals game. I think the the overwhelming belief at this point is that it will not be made up. I, I think that makes sense that that was kind of the, the general uh, consensus for the last few days anyway, but now we're starting to hear some p- possible contingency plans as far as you know how they handle seating in the AFC specifically. I know there's been some some suggestion that you know they could go as far as to add a playoff team in each conference uh, to to kind of eliminate uh, the the advantage that is the number one seed. Uh, you know, obviously it would it would still be there, but of course you wouldn't get the first round by. Uh, but but there are, are a ton of moving parts when you look into this. And I think according to Albert Breer, who's always really clued in on, on things like this, uh, his implication, at least as of Thursday afternoon was that, you know, we, we could see a situation where there might be a neutral site AFC title game, which would again, you know, kind of mitigate the, uh, the potential effects of, of seeding if they don't play that Kansas city or excuse me, don't play that Buffalo Cincinnati game. Uh, so to me that there's a lot to unpack here, but the implication overall, the more I thought about this is that, if we're looking at this from a pure football perspective, the implication is that Buffalo, I think is the team that would get screwed most if they play one fewer game because they were in the driver's seat prior to week 17, heading into that Bengals game on Monday. If Buffalo won out and Kansas city won out, 
Buffalo would have been the one seed by virtue of beating Kansas City earlier this season. They would have finished with the same record. Of course, if you if you just throw that game out and you go by win percentage, they'll finish, you know, assuming they both win in week 18, they would finish with the same number of losses. But Kansas City, by virtue of playing one more game, would win the the tiebreak, I guess, in that situation by win percentage. So uh, I think overall, if the league doesn't make up that game, they want to ensure that Buffalo is not losing out uh, on essentially the opportunity to get that one seed. Right. So, I mean, it, it's, yeah, with, with everything that, that happened on, on Monday night and now Buffalo kind of is oddly enough at the, at the center of, of like the, the craziness that, that comes with mm-hmm. uh, the, this playoff situation, which, you know, obviously very unprecedented. And, and like you said, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of the league over the, over the course of this week, but this is just such like a, a freak thing. I, I don't know if there's a playbook you know, to, to really no, uh, not at all. Han- handle this situation. So, I mean, they're, they're working night and day to, to try to get this right. And I, I trust that, that they will. Um, I don't know personally if, if expanding the playoff is the correct move or, or what exactly is going to end up happening. But I think, you know, no matter what, there's going to be probably some outsized uh, outrage from people. However, the NFL decides on this one, because that's just kind of how people are. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to it's going to end up being fine as far as how the AF, yeah. AFC playoff picture is is ultimately decided. Yes. I, again, and I think especially now that, you know, we, we know that Tamar Hamlin is moving in the right direction. I, I think that, um, th- that that makes this entire process easier. I, I think the NFL was kind of in a holding pattern for these last couple of days and, and totally rightfully so. You know, I, I think kind of the entire league was was collectively. Uh, kind of holding its breath to, to to wait on on this positive news, and thank goodness we got it. Um, so my understanding, if they were to go forth with this contingency of of going by win percentage, so let, let's assume Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati all win this weekend, that would mean KC is the one, uh, Buffalo two, and Cincinnati three. Uh, so the the neutral site idea that would only come into play if you know one of those teams affected by the Cincinnati Buffalo non game would be involved. So if the AFC title game is like Bills Chargers or Chiefs Jaguars or you know uh Bengals Chargers whatever you want it to be, those teams in that case my understanding is that the game would be played at those teams home stadium, but if it's you know if it's Bills Chiefs or Bills Bengals however it shakes out, I think that is where they would move to that neutral site. Am I understanding that correctly? I believe so. Um and you know that that you know the the NFL might ultimately have to cross that bridge. I know that the NFL playoffs don't always go according to chalk. I mean, obviously like the, the Bengals made an insane run from the wild card spot or from the wild card onward last season in, you know, in able to, to make it all the way to the Super Bowl. So, but I think, I think as it stands, it, I don't know, it, it's tough to, to sort through um, exactly these scenarios, but I think you do have it right in the sense that if, if it's one of the teams that's not affected by all of this, then, you know, it will go just as normal. Yeah. And again, this is not finalized. Uh, it was just, you know, re- reported that, that I'd, uh, I think the, the word that Albert Breer used was that it was getting some traction, uh, among teams and, and, uh, you know, the league office. So, uh, we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of days. I, I do think a solution or at least a plan has to be in place before Saturday, because, you know, if, if you're talking about the possibility of adding another playoff team in each conference, like I, I don't think you can like retroactively add a team that thinks it's eliminated or a team that thinks it's not playing for anything all of a sudden is, you know, two hours before game time. So I expect that we will have something from the NFL 
uh, prior to those kickoffs on Saturday. Uh, I think otherwise that would be uh, just a, a completely messy scenario. And look, depending on what and what happens in Week 18, this could all be moot. You know, um, you know, it, a lot of this is assuming that teams that are favored are going to win. And <laughs> as we know all too well, John, uh, via this podcast, that is not always the case. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I did just kind of want to address that possibility uh, since that news had come out within the last hour or so. Um, but anyway, we will, uh, you know, over the next hour, uh, we will keep you posted if anything else, uh, you know, kind of develops on that front. Other than that, we will kind of treat this uh, as, as much of a normal week 18 as we can. And that means we're diving into the line. So as usual, John, uh, which line stuck out to you as, as maybe a bit too high as we head into a very complicated week 18 with, with a ton of moving pieces as far as which games are meaningful, which aren't, which teams are playing starters, which aren't. Right, exactly. I mean, we, we have you know some crazy stuff going on as far as the, the Jets-Dolphins game is concerned. We know that Tua is probably not going to be out there. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater dealing with an injury. So, you know, it might be Skylar Thompson time there in Miami, and that informed the line earlier this week. But now Mike White limited to practice on Thursday. So we don't really know. I, I know Rich Semini, uh, who covers the Jets, you know, mentioned that that White also wasn't available to the media today. So that's ne- never a, a good sign uh, necessarily for, for a guy's availability. So that that's the line that, that I could see. I, I would just kind of encourage anyone looking to bet on that game to, to wait until, you know, the Friday injury reports c- come out because mm-hmm. that, that one is, is definitely a tricky situation. But um, I felt like the Saints line, it's it doesn't like scream out that, it, that it's too high necessarily. But if, if if this game were to be or if there was if we were to look at the spread this time last week before last weekend's action goes, uh, you got to figure that the Panthers are, are much closer to being favored in that one. But the Panthers obviously uh, ran into a, a Bucks team that, that woke up uh, last week. You know, uh, all the Mike Evans investors in fantasy were like, oh, th- oh thanks a lot, uh, Mike. Um, but, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, now, now uh, and then you also look at uh, the result from that Saints Philly game and we see that the Saints being favored by more more than a field goal. And I think that. Yes, the Saints do have a home field advantage generally. Um, you know, one of the stronger ones in the league. And this year, they've certainly been better at home for the most part, mm-hmm. last week notwithstanding. Um, but I feel like the Panthers are still a good team. I think that we're or not a good team, but but you know, a they're, team. They're a team. They're, they're a team that that's playing, but be- that's been playing better down the stretch. They were in the playoff hunt uh, this time a week ago, and I just feel like that the Saints. They aren't a team that with a whole lot as far as offensive identity is concerned. So I think that they 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 should win this game, but trusting them by more than a field goal here feels a little bit off to me. So I, I feel like that line comes in a little bit high and then sticking in the NFC South. Um, I believe Tom Brady's going to be starting for the Bucs. I don't think he's going to play the entire game because, you know, we, we had so this one, this one's real sticky. But when I see a minus four next to the Falcons, I get a little bit leery. Um, so that, that, to, that to me seems like one that you know, maybe it's a stay away just in general, as far as like your parlays and everything else is concerned. But um, even if Brady's only out there for a half, uh, the, the Falcon and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of look like a last week of the preseason team out there. The Falcons already do look like a last week of the preseason team in, in, in a lot of senses. So uh, they have no home field advantage. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like four is a little bit rich. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think the line is kind of calling the Bucks bluff a little bit uh, as far as starters playing in this game. I, I know Todd Bowles has insisted that that will be the case. Maybe. I, I, I will not be shocked whatsoever if we don't see Tom Brady, we don't see Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, etc. Um, and if we do see him, I, I don't even know if they make it through a half. I mean, this is a completely meaningless game for Tampa Bay. They are uh, they're locked in uh, as the four seed. So they, you know, there, there's really nothing on the line uh, outside of, you know, <laughs> potentially picking up an injury. So I'm with you on that one. I mean, the thing is like, I, I, I get the Falcons being minus four here, but even against the Bucks backups who aren't just going to lay down, you know, these are guys who, who want to play, want to have, they have things to prove in the NFL. Like I, I think the Falcons with Desmond Ritter, are still maybe not all that much better than the Buccaneers with Blaine Gabbard or, or Kyle Trask at quarterback. So I'm with you there. Um, Saints Panthers to me, for sure. That's on the list. Uh, I, I just, you know, neither of these teams are playing for anything. I think they're really evenly matched. I think this should be, if you want to say Saints at home, that's fine. Uh, I should be two and a half, uh, maybe even two. I know the Saints have won three in a row, but I, I don't, I don't think this is really like a momentum situation because there is nothing on the line. You played Philly with a backup quarterback who did not play well last week. Um, so, so we're in agreement on those. Uh, and on the jets, by the way, that line has been all over the place this week. It was Miami minus three and a half, uh, as of Sunday. And even, even after the games on Sunday, Sunday night, it was still three and a half. Then it moved to jets minus one and a half. Uh, then Miami two and a half. Now it's at Miami two. Um, that, that one to me, I, I'm if, if it's going to be Zach Wilson, that quarterback for the jets, which I don't even know if that's possible. Like based on how Robert Sala was talking about Wilson this week, you know, he was saying things like he just needs to get away from football, clear his mind a little bit. Like that doesn't sound like a guy who's going to suit up and start this weekend. So maybe it's Joe Flacco. Uh, obviously the jets are eliminated. The dolphins still uh, very much have things to play for. So I, I kind of do like the dolphins even at minus two, but um, you know, not, not a strong endorsement either way. Uh, what about the chiefs on Saturday? This is the, the, the afternoon game as part of the two game Saturday slate. Uh, that number has been hovering at nine, nine and a half. That's what we're seeing it at uh, over at BetMGM right now. The Chiefs have done nothing but not cover big numbers all year. And yep. obviously this is this is a meaningful game. You know, we, we can't say exactly what the implications are because of how, how much things are up in the air with the AFC. But, you know, I mean, Jared Stidham looked pretty good last week against the, the best defense in the league. And again, I, I just, I, I'm kind of starting to lose faith in the Chiefs covering these big numbers. I, I think they win this game, but nine and a half. I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I got Chiefs by a touchdown here. So, you know, that's two and a half points to play around with on the part of the Raiders. Um, I think there is something to be said, you know, in regards to Stidham, where occasionally a guy that uh, other teams don't have a ton of tape on, especially mm -hmm. with it with a, with a different team than the last time that we saw him on an NFL field uh, in any meaningful way. You know, you can kind of spring a surprise attack on on somebody. Sometimes yeah. that surprise attack is just simply kind of doing what uh, you had been doing and just throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. But, hey, I mean, it worked. Um, so I think the Raiders keep this one competitive enough and i feel like the the chiefs they'll get up they'll get a lead um but they they haven't been like overly overly impressive like you know against the the broncos and and so on over these last couple of weeks so i feel like yeah that they, they are a team that plays with their food a little bit too much to yep. to really trust on the road nine and a half points that, that's a bit much for me uh, i i will uh i will say prime teaser candidate uh, are the chiefs this week and we will uh we will revisit that toward the end of the pod. Uh, I, 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 these are in my questionable category. I just want to highlight two lines that are, are just really tricky for a number of reasons. Uh, we're seeing both the Eagles and the 49ers as two touchdown favorites this weekend. Uh, 49ers, 14-point favorites at home against the Cardinals. 
Philly, uh, of course, at home against the Giants. I get it. Uh, still a lot on the line uh, as far as, uh, you know, not necessarily jockeying for position, but maintaining position. And for Philly, I mean, you got to win this game. You're assuming that Dallas is going to win and you want to lock up not only the NFC East, but of course the one seed in the NFC as well. So I, I think there's plenty of reason to believe that both of these teams uh, will be going for it. And, you know, it certainly aren't going to begin the game resting starters, but I, I think the conversation is, you know, the, they're going to be, like, for one, they're going to know the result of the the Minnesota game. That's in the early window. But Philly, San Francisco, Dallas, they're all going to be scoreboard watching throughout this game. Uh, so I, I expect all three to to take care of business early. Uh, it's never a guarantee. I mean, we, we thought that last week about uh, Dallas and Tennessee, of course. And, and Dallas ended up pulling away. But that was a, a much more competitive game early than most expected. But I, I think the concern, if you're taking Philly minus 14, or if you're taking San Francisco with the points, it's, okay, maybe they get, get up big early. But if... You know, if Philly sees that or if Dallas, for example, sees that, uh, you know, Philly is up 20 at the half, do they maybe pull back? So I, I think the big fear here is a, you know, kind of a second half comeback that results in a backdoor cover. Yeah, the, the backdoor going to be wide open in, in those games. That's so many points to be playing around with, um, you, you know, in the, in the Cardinals case, it's not going to be Trace McSorley. Mr. David Blau, uh, boiler up, going to be out there. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I could see the, the Cardinals covering this. I, I could also see that the Giants, but like the Giants one is interesting on, you know, in, in the part of the Eagles because the Giants are are effectively locked in the same way that, that the Bucks are to, to their respective playoff spot, I believe. So how how motivated are they going to be uh, so that this could be like a, a tank off in game uh, b- yep. between the the, uh, the Eagles and the Giants. So uh, in those type of situations, 14 points is, is just a lot to to really trust with, with a yeah. team. So, I mean, it, it is in general, but but when uh, motivation is that big in question and we could see that, you know, the, the second stringers out there and stuff, ooh, that, make, that makes me feel dicey. So I'm, I'm on, I believe, both of those big underdogs. I, I'd be a little bit more inclined to go to go with the Niners just because the Cardinals are that bad. Yes. But, but e- either of those ones, I, I probably am – going with going with the underdog to, to cover just so many yeah. points. So on top of the Cardinals being terrible and potentially wanting to improve their own draft slot. Uh, I think the other thing too, is San Francisco right now is very likely to end up as the two, like they need, of course, Philly to lose um, to, to have any shot at the one. And, you know, I think we could agree that's, that's fairly unlikely, but uh, again, they will know the result of that Minnesota game. And, you know, if Minnesota wins, which we, we assume they will, they're, they're big favorites against the bears who are starting Nathan Peterman. Um, you know, at, at that point, they'll know that they need to win the game. So I think there's a decent chance that San Francisco doesn't want to take any chances and just make sure that they win. You know, I, I'm more, I'm more confident that they play this as a quote unquote normal game than, than Philly. Um, you, you know, Philly, I guess has the same type of stakes, but um, I, I think once they're, once Philly's comfortable, you know, especially when you consider the health of Jalen hurts, um, you know, I, I, I could see them pulling back a little bit more, but um, you know, San Francisco obviously does not want to uh, fall down to the three it, it, on the Philly side, by the way, is there, is there any sort of kind of, you know, momentum or, or get right aspect to this game where if they come out and, you know, they, they look clunky in the first half and maybe, maybe they're still up a touchdown or two. Like do they kind of need to get their mojo back uh, after two straight losses without Jalen hurts? Yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely a fair question. They, you know, you don't want to go into the playoffs looking cold um, right. and, you know, especially after the Eagles had been just so red hot over the, over the entire course 
of this season. So I'm sure that they're, they have things that they want to see happen, but I think that they have the bigger picture in, in mind. So I, I, I still foresee them being able to, to get out to the lead and, and being able to just kind of nurse it um, the, the rest of the way. So I, I feel like it's, it's definitely a possibility that, that they, um, they try to go pedal to the metal and, and get a couple drives where they can feel good about how the offense looks now that Hertz is back. But um, I, I just, have trouble seeing it being like a full bore game there, there in Philly. So of all these teams that we're discussing, uh, you know, the, 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 the anomaly team, I think is Dallas, um, you know, that, that you, you could see that kind of being a much bigger line is sitting at seven right now. They're on the road at the commanders, Washington, of course, eliminated uh, apologies to, to major Tutty. But uh, what do you make of this Cowboys line? Because again, they have the ability to somehow come out of this weekend as the one seed, but not only would they need Philly to lose, they also need San Francisco to lose as well. So it's very unlikely that both of those things happen. And I, I think that's factored into this Dallas line. So I guess my question then would be because all this action's happening in that late afternoon window, will the scoreboards be working at FedEx field? Do we know that? <laughs> I, I think I think the teams at this point can they have other sources uh, potentially to to get scores other than the scoreboard. You know, this I, I, unfortunately this is not like 1998 anymore. That would be hilarious, and it's a totally fair question. But I would imagine that uh, you know Mike McCarthy will be able to get his hands on a on a score if he needs it. Yeah, uh, but I also think that Dan Snyder would also not uh, consider that and think that that his in stadium scoreboards are the only thing. Uh, <laughs> The only sources of intel, and therefore, you know, he, he's got his like evil genius laugh going. Yeah. But um, you know, the, it's the like big flashing th- incorrect scores up there. It's like Eagles are up seventy-five to two. What? <laughs> now that that is something I could see Bill Belichick doing. Um, yes. I, I don't even know if if Snyder would have that. He would just know that there's an on-off switch, basically. But mm. um, beyond that, Washington's you know they're they're going to be kicking the tires on Sam Howell in this one. I'm that. That gives me a decent amount of interest in this game. I, I like Sam Howell as, as a prospect, and I, I think they need to figure out one way or the other um, if he's someone that they want to be giving a shot to uh, next, you know, during training camp. You know, that that obviously affects what they're going to do in free agency and the draft and everything. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to – they'll even though they have nothing to play for, I don't think that they are going to be laying down necessarily. So this is a rivalry game. It means a lot to, to the, to the uh, commanders. It's – it's, I mean, I grew up in the D.C. area. All my friends are, are Washington fans, and they they hate Dallas a lot. Not that that really makes a, a huge difference in in this game, of course. But it you know it's a, it's a rivalry game, so that it's it's going to be treated as such on, on the Washington side. So um, I still kind of expect the the Cowboys to to win this one fairly handily, but I, I don't think it's going to be due to a lack of effort on on Washington's part. But yeah, seven points, seven and a half points. Um, I, I still feel comfortable with Dallas covering that because they, they do have, you know, legitimate stakes and, and a serious talent advantage. And, you know, if Sam Howell looks rough in, in his debut there, then, you know, he could be helping to fuel that cover for the Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. Again, a, a ton of balls in the air uh, with these games. But in summary, I'm not going to get into all the permutations because there are like a million and I would just talk myself in circles. But there there are scenarios where Philly could finish with the one, two or five seed. Dallas could be the one, two or five. Minnesota can't get the one. They can only be the two or the three, but of course that, that does matter. And San Francisco still technically alive for the one, the two or the three. So uh, all kinds of things going on. Uh, And then of course, Tampa Bay locked into the four, the giants locked into the six. We do not know uh, who the seven seed will be at this time. Could be Seattle, could be green Bay, 
could be Detroit. Um, before we move on, John, Major Tutty, um, uh, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable talking about this now. I, I've had some time to uh, kind of let everything ruminate. Uh, you know, I went back, I watched the hype video. I, I watched some of the, <laughs> the in-game videos, discussed it with the XM producers last night. Uh, where do we come in on, on Major Tutty? I, I feel like the, the reaction that I saw on social media over the weekend was decidedly mixed. Yes, it, it was. Um, it's a it's a goofy uh, look, looking fellow there, Major Tutty is. But um, I, I think it's a it's a good job on Washington's part because, you know, I, I feel like the Hogs are such like a part of that team's history and identity dating back to I believe the 70s. I, I hope I'm not off on that. Maybe it was the, the Gibbs teams in the late 80s, early 90s. But um, either way, Hogs are big in Washington. So it was, a, it was a smart call, especially when you have kind of like a faceless uh, team name like the commanders to to have something that actually does draw um, onto you know your team's history and heritage and, and all that so I thought that was good um, I actually thought before they dropped the the name commanders that that the Washington Hogs would have been a sweet name or the Red Hogs or something oh, yeah. along I those think lines Red, wasn't Red Hogs on the list or some sort of hog adjacent name was one of the potential ones yeah so so Hogs were in the mix and, and uh, you know I've, I I I like the pig running around with a strange helmet on. I think that it it looks good. It's it's unique. It's different. Um, so I, I'm frankly I'm all for it. I, I I guess I am a major Tutty stan. Okay, fair enough. And we should note by the way that the the Hogs have disassociated themselves from the franchise and are potentially going to sue the franchise. So oh. <laughs> uh, kind of interesting timing to to launch a hog adjacent mascot. Uh, well, that is ongoing, but. I mean, would you expect anything else from the commanders? Like, uh, of course they, yeah. they potentially uh, bungle their also a weird time to reveal this. Like, why are you, why are you doing this in week 17 <laughs> of the season? Like, I, it's like just totally random. I don't know if there's some sort of anniversary I'm not privy to, but my, my only complaint, like I, I personally don't like the term tutty. I don't think I've ever said it in a serious context. So I, I have a little bit of an issue there. One, it, the pig is like a little too human. Like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like a, like a scary mask that like a bank robber, would use so mm-hmm. that's a complaint and then it just looks a little clunky like it doesn't look like a professional costume it's just, it looks like just like an oversized white t-shirt that's like sloppily tucked into the pants so i, I don't know they, they have some things to workshop but i will say it in in major tutty's defense it's really hard to launch a mascot this late in the game you know like i, I think if the jaguars said hey we're, we're bringing out this new mascot jackson deville people would be like what the hell is this like absolutely not but because he's just been there for so long we, we accept it as, as part of the team. So this is like when, you know, when there's an expansion team and everybody hates the name. Like I remember when the Oklahoma city thunder joined the NBA, everybody was like, Oh, this is terrible. This, this sounds like a WNBA team name or like an arena football team. And then all of a sudden the team got good and we haven't heard a peep about it. So uh, my guess is that, you know, there'll be a lot of complaints over the next few weeks, but midway through next season, we're not hearing much out of major Tutty. Yeah. Good point. And then, you know, last thing on the, on the mascot front, were you watching Sunday night when when Poe pulled the the WWE skit? That was and, sick. That was yeah, awesome. that was absolutely electric. Easily the best part of Sunday night for me. Yes. Uh, the rest of it, uh, abject disaster. But I was still just kind of like basking in in what had happened uh, yeah. earlier on January first. But oof, yeah, that was a uh, that got me jazzed for sure. Right. And then then the boys let me down as it should have. Um, one more note on that Commanders Cowboys game, by the way, Dak Prescott. 27 and six straight up 24 and nine ATS in divisional games in his career. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, Dallas is averaging 35.1 points per game since Dak returned from injury. 
Uh, and Dallas is averaging 35.8 points per game in its last eight in-season rematch games against Washington. So basically the second time it plays Washington during the regular season, it's averaging almost 40 points per game. And th- those notes are, are VR pals uh, over at VEASAN. So uh, a lot to like on the Dallas side, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Sam Howell's going to bring. You know, I, my expectations aren't super high, but it's a hell of a lot more interesting than just rolling out Carson Wentz or, or Taylor Heineke again. Yeah, cer- certainly agree on Wentz. Uh, I don't, I don't know what's going to have to happen to me to to get me off of Taylor Heineke. Um, I'm still, still a believer. <laughs> some sort of like hypnosis. Yeah, I'm going to need to, yeah, yeah, be put, uh, yeah, put under some sort of deep spell to to get yeah. that out of here. All right, uh, it, it is time for our final read of the regular season, John. Uh, you were on Bengals plus one. Uh, that that one's obviously voided, not not counting out as a win or a loss. Although they were up at the time the game was suspended. Uh, I, I was on the Jags minus four, a uh, much needed win for me, but um, I, I don't think it would be fair to put the read on you uh, in that situation. So I, I think we should split it again. All right, let's uh, let's split it off or split it up. And, and this time, may I do the honors of kicking it off? Please do. Very good. Kickoff week 18 of the NFL season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable, free bets, or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. And this, of course, excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right. Well done. As always, uh, we'll, we'll continue with that read, of course, uh, through the playoffs. But um, yeah, I know you got a banger of a best bet coming up uh, at the end of this episode. So <laughs> make sure you stick around for that. Um, all right. Let's get back to the board. I do want to talk some uh, a couple futures as well, uh, if we have time. But want to make sure we give week 18 its due attention. And we have not even uttered the, the name Jacksonville Jaguars. Prime time. They, they can't get a Monday night game. They can't get a Sunday night game. But they'll do Thursdays, and Lord knows they'll do Saturdays. They are in the late window on Saturday night. Jags, six-and-a-half-point favorites over Josh Dobbs 
and the Tennessee Titans. John, I've been waiting all episode to do this. The Jags hat's coming on. Let's go. There it is. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like Ooh. I just got drafted. Majestic. Where's your big suit? <laughs> um, okay, so I, I've obviously thought a ton about this game. It's really all I've been thinking about uh, for, for the most part over the last week. Uh, six and a half to me, it's it's right on the borderline. I get it. Uh, but I will say, after watching Josh Dobbs last Thursday, I would certainly prefer that the Titans start Malik Willis. And I've heard some rumblings that maybe they're going to use both. I I could see that maybe a few packages here and there for Willis or if Dobbs struggles, you could see them going back to Willis on paper. It it should be a really good spot for the Jaguars. I mean, Tennessee has done nothing but lose games for the last month and a half. The Jags uh, had a really nice kind of come from behind blowout win uh, about a month ago over Tennessee. Jacksonville feels like it, it builds confidence, especially on defense every week. Trevor Lawrence is playing well. And yet, you know, the counter argument is it is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I, I just can't help but get the thought out of my mind that they're going to find a way uh, to, to kind of muck this game up. Right. And uh, Mario Puig was was making a really good case uh, earlier on the, on the fantasy football pod uh, where the injury report for Tennessee just looks so much better this yep. week that, than it did a week ago. Like it, in that game against the Cowboys, basically none of their viable players were, were available. Now Derrick Henry's fully off the injury report. And has been since earlier in the week. You get guys like Jeffrey Simmons back. Uh, you know, that that all is a huge help as far as Tennessee is concerned. And I also just feel like Vrabel, I know it's been a, a rough month or so for, for the Titans, you know, six weeks really. But Vrabel, I still view uh, in a very high regard as far as his, his in-game coaching tactics, abilities, game planning all that stuff to get the most out of his team. And, you know, with, with the division, you know, potentially still there for the taking, it's going to be tough. The, the Jags are, you know, they're, they're red hot right now. I think that they have entered that territory of team that you don't want to play in the postseason. But, you know, Tennessee, they just kind of are that inconvenient truth a lot of the time. So I, I feel like they, they definitely have a legit shot here, even with the, the quarterback situation. And again, that, that speaks to, uh, how good of a coach Rabel is really where, where you can still see a path for Tennessee winning this game, despite Josh Dobbs noted arrow scientist uh, get, yep. getting the start. Um, but I still side with the Jags to win. It's, it's always a precarious position to, to like a team to cover and like the other team to win, um, especially when it, when we're talking less than a touchdown, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at with this game. I think the Jags squeak it out. Um, but I, I do feel like Tennessee will, will, will not get, get boat raised here. No, I, I, that's the number one thing I'm confident about in this game is that we, we get a good game. You know, I, I don't, I do not see the Jags running away with this by any means. And I don't see Tennessee running away with it either, uh, of course, but I, I think this is kind of the, this is like the perfect storm Mike Vrabel game. Right. And I know there are a few games in this, this recent stretch where we, we kind of thought that and you, you keep wanting to give the benefit of the doubt to Mike Vrabel and look, we got to be honest, the Titans have lost six in a row. I mean, they are, they are down bad. They lost to the, the Houston Texans. That was a very meaningful game and they could not pull it off. So again, I understand why the Jags are, are six and a half point favorites here, but I, I think the Titans absolutely make this a game. I mean, Derrick Henry essentially coming in off of an extended bye week uh, Tennessee overall has the rest advantage here. Having last played on Thursday, the Jags of course played Sunday and I know their starters didn't finish that game, but still, you know, they, they played, essentially the the first two thirds of that game. So I think that still counts. Um, we do have to keep in mind that the Jags could lose this game and still get in. If the Steelers dolphins and Patriots all lose, 
relatively unlikely, but but possible. Uh, obviously, the Jags would prefer to win this game, but um, I, I went with the Titans to cover the six and a half. I, I have the Jags winning, I'll say something like, I don't know, 24-20. Yeah, no, that, that checks out. Um, and, and again, you know, that, that results in Jags win, Titans cover. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it too. I do have one uh, pretty, pretty deep note here, so try to follow along. Uh, road teams having lost at least their last five games outright and playing as underdogs of six points or larger are three and 15 straight up six and 12 ATS uh, since 2012. And this is over the final three weeks of the season. So the, the trends are on the side of the Jags. They're playing this game at home. They're going all teal. Uh, they, they did a little teaser video today. They're painting the end zones teal. Um, so they're going to be ready, but uh, you know, Derek Henry has obviously tormented this franchise many a times in the past. So I, I I'm cautiously excited for this one, but, you know, uh, you know, a little bit wary of going all in on the Jags at this point. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about Bucks Falcons, not a whole lot to say there. I think there's just a, a lot unknown. Um, what about Pat's bills? This is in the early window on Sunday bills, seven point favorites. Um, you know, I mean, the, the obvious storyline, we know what that is. Uh, the bills kind of having to turn around and, you know, play another football game in less than a week. Uh, but as we discussed at the top, I think, you know, given the positive news on Demar Hamlin, you know, there, there were some interviews with, with players, you know, on the Bills and even around the league earlier today that said, you know, they were basically like, it just feels like, you know, the, 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 whatever, the curtain has been lifted. I, I know it's mm-hmm. not the right expression, but, um, you know, I, I just think there's a sense of relief around the league that that, that pressure is, is gone, that, that the worry, the concern for, for your teammate. Um, with that said, it still makes me, I, I'm still kind of confounded as far as how to evaluate this game. It really is a, an unprecedented situation. I, I don't want to get too much into like the, emotional side of it i don't think there's a lot of merit there but with that said i i really could see buffalo kind of rallying around this i I don't necessarily see it as a negative if that makes sense right um i think you know if things things were were different then we'd be looking at this in a a different way and you know we we don't even know if this game would would ultimately end up being played but you know with the way things are are trending you know that guys are lacing them up on, on sunday and i feel like the bills i mean that they are they are who we think they are. I mean, they are just a, an excellent team. They're one of the best, if not the best teams in the league. And the Patriots just, you know, they've got ind- individual pieces here and there, but the offense makes no sense. Um, they're, they're traveling to Buffalo for, for this one. Buffalo handled them pretty nicely on, on a Thursday nighter earlier this year. So seven points, obviously it's a magic number and, and it's, you know, tempting to, to just take the points in a division game uh, like that. And the, the Patriots obviously – they have a slim chance, but they, they aren't eliminated yet. So, you know, that they're, they're going to be, you know, up for this one, but I just think the bills are leaps and bounds better than, than this Patriots team. And they're at home. I think they want to kind of like send a, send out a, we back up uh, type of statement here to, yes. to end the regular season, because I feel like, um, you know, the, the Bengals and the chiefs have kind of like taken up so, so a lot of the discourse as far as who the best team in the AFC is right now. And I, I think the Bills want to kind of like reassert themselves into that conversation. Yeah. And again, we, we don't exactly know what the seating implications are going to be at this time. But if you're Buffalo, you you obviously want to win this game. And regardless of what the NFL decides, um, you know, I mean, there, there's still a path to Buffalo being treated as the number one seed in the AFC. So, I, you know, there's plenty of motivation on the Buffalo side. Like you said, you know, still a lot to play for for New England. But I, I go back to last year, you know, New England won uh, the wind game against Buffalo Mm -hmm. early in the year. And then week 16, they meet again at New England. Buffalo wins 33-21. And we know what happened in the wild card game, 47-17 
Buffalo. So it, you know, I think we traditionally think of New England kind of owning that entire division, but that's just it's not the case anymore. This is not the same New England team. You know, I've, I've kind of personally had to like work hard to, to get that sentiment out of my mind. So I, I'm with you. I, I, this number, it's it's a really tough game to handicap, you know, for, for a number of reasons. But I, I think seven's about right. And, and I'm on Buffalo. I'm on Buffalo, too. Could definitely, you know, th- this one's definitely on push watch, though. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, the Patriots have just found ways these last few weeks to hang around. And, you know, if there's a team you trust to do it, it is them. Uh, let's go to Vikings Bears, also in the early window on Sunday. Uh, this line has jumped up. I think it opened at five, five and a half Minnesota, now up to seven and a half at BetMGM. That is directly linked to the Nathan Peterman situation. So, uh, you know, kind of the similar uh, type of scenario that we talked about with these other NFC teams still playing for seeding. Uh, but, you know, Minnesota has to be prepared for the possibility of San Francisco losing. They could move up to that two. Uh, they can't fall any further than three. So we do have to keep that in mind. And they are playing kind of by themselves in this early window. So there, there won't really be a whole lot of scoreboard watching to do for Minnesota. Yeah, th- this game features two like just extremely powerful forces of nature, right? Because on the one hand, the Vikings are physically incapable of playing a normal football game. Correct. Uh, they are also, unless, unless they are losing, incapable of being involved in a uh, anything other than a one-score game. And when the, yeah. when the spread seven and a half makes you a little nervous, but then on the other side, the other, you know, just sheer force of nature is Nathan Peterman. So, I mean, it, it makes it really tough. My, my lean, honestly, and it, it's, it feels gross saying it, but that almost makes me feel better about it in a weird way. Seven and a half. Take the bears. You are oh, a sick it, man. You are a I sick, am. sick man. Yeah, and you, the sickness is going to continue later in the pod. But um, uh, at the at this, I just feel like the the Vikings. Yes, they should just kind of w- want to approach this game and take care of business, and you know get the stink of of last week's game uh, completely out of the locker room and everything. But I just they are so hard to trust. Uh, you sent me a message earlier this week that they they are the worst team in terms of point differential with as many wins as they have, like dating back to I forget when you're when you're. Uh, Oh, since 1970, there were, I believe it was 193 teams that had at least 12 wins. And I sorted all, all 193 by point differential. And Minnesota was unsurprisingly far and away the, the lowest point differential. They were the only team in the negative. I think the next lowest was like plus 35. I mean, they are, there's almost no precedent for what's going on this year with Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. So it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, it of course, like the Bears are awful, and that they they should be very interested in losing this game for for draft purposes and everything. So that you know you have to take that into account as well. But it, I just feel like the the Vikings being incapable of of playing normal games, playing it, uh, they just they love the one score game. So somehow they're going to get roped into one uh, there in Chicago. That's that's where I'm at with it. Logically, you make a good point. I mean, they have what they have one win all year by more than one score. And that was week mm-hmm. one against Green Bay. So statistically, I get it. Uh, the counter argument is just Nathan Peterman defies statistics. You yes. know, we've never seen anything like this. He's a, a one of a kind talent. And I, I think there's a reason that they're starting him. Like, I, I don't I don't know that Justin Fields hip injury or whatever it is, is, is all that severe. Uh, and you mentioned the draft thing. There are a few games that we're going to talk about that that have major draft position implications. This one being number one. And I, I think the reason why that is, is because the team that is currently the holder of the number one pick, the Houston Texans, they have a winnable game 
on their schedule against the Colts who are starting Sam Ellinger. And like, I think Houston, you know, maybe is going to try to do a few things to lose that game, but it, it might be out of their control. The Colts just may not allow them uh, to, to do so. Um, so I, I, you know, it's just so hard to judge because, you know, I, I think the tanking thing is much more of a ownership front office concern versus the players on the field. Like the guys are out there are going to play hard. I don't think that's a question. Um, I just don't like, I, I know the Vikings have been really confounding to evaluate, but with Peterman, especially, I just the Bears could try their hardest to win this game, and I just don't think they have the talent. They don't. I mean, they're terrible on defense, and now the only good thing about their offense is is not playing. So yeah. definitely, Fair. you know, that this is one where where I could end by like the end of the first quarter. Um, but at the yeah. same time, like I'm gonna gonna stick to my gut here and and say that the Bears find a way to to make this one ugly enough for for the Vikings and and go ahead and yep. get it done. But I also have visions of Justin Jefferson getting retribution for for last week and and just absolutely torching what whatever poor excuses the Bears have at, at corner. Yeah, it's about still finding a way to to break the receiving record after finishing last week with what 15 yards. Uh, oh, Ravens so Bengals. Not Johnny. good for your fan for your boys fantasy uh, interests last last week with what Jefferson uh, yeah. did. Yeah, I, I think you're speaking for, for many uh, with that one. Uh, Cincy, Baltimore, Bengals by seven. Uh, so we're getting getting kind of the same line with the Bengals as we are with the Bills. I think it is in some ways a similar situation. Bengals 21-3 and three ATS in their last 24, 18-2 ATS in their last 20 rematch games. So the second time that they're playing a team in a given season. However, Baltimore 13-3 and three in their last 16 road rematch games. So uh, kind of competing forces there. Obviously the big story here, we don't expect Lamar Jackson to play yet again. And it's getting to the point, John, that you have to start worrying about his availability for the wild card round. Yep. All along, uh, you know, it, it seemed when the injury happened that that Christmas Eve was a was a reasonable time to expect him back. Doesn't play there. Doesn't play last week, of course, against Pittsburgh. Not going to play this week. So the, the Ravens are just dead in the water. Uh, they, they have a playoff spot, but um, Lamar Jackson coming off of that long of a layoff in the in the wild card round. It's just a recipe for disaster. It's going to be so clunky. And that that's, you know, I feel like making kind of a big leap that he's even going to be ready uh, for, for the start of the playoffs. So uh, this is bad news for Baltimore, I, I you know, depending on what the league does. But I, I think we know by the by virtue of the time slot of this game that uh, the Ravens effectively have no chance at winning the division if they, if they won this game outright. But um, it still doesn't appear to be the case. So. It's going to be Tyler Huntley, who's been banged up all week, or one Anthony Brown uh, get getting trotted out there. And I think the Bengals just paced them. I, I, I think that the Ravens are, are in that big of trouble offensively. The defense looked shoddy against a awful offensive line last week. The, the Steelers ran all over the Ravens last week on that Sunday night game in their own house. Uh, one of those games that the Ravens have been – or the the sample that you mentioned, one of those rematch games was last week, last year against the Bengals. Uh, they had to start Josh Johnson in that game. The Ravens did. And the, the Bengals just absolutely eviscerated them. I watched that with my grandparents and they were, they were horrified at what they were watching on the, on the TV screen as, as Ravens fans. Um, so, yeah, I, even though, you know, there, there's some question marks here and there about this game, I feel like the Bengals are just, uh, the, the class of the AFC are close to it. And, and, uh, I think the Ravens are, are just – they're not playing out the thread necessarily, but they, they just don't have it. They, they, yeah. They're lacking it in all the wrong spots, and it's going to continue to get exposed. And I think Cincinnati likes taking it to the Ravens a little bit too. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the Ravens have scored 13, 17, 3, 16, and 10 points in their last five games. Uh, they also put up 13 on the Carolina Panthers in week 11. Uh, I mean, they, they, their big eruption during that span was 27 against Jacksonville, and they somehow still managed to lose that game uh, despite winning games where they scored 13, 10, 16, and 17. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think they can keep up, you know, unless, unless Joe Burrow just doesn't have it. You know, you, you think of like that week one game, against Pittsburgh where I think he turned it over five times. Like it kind of feels like this has to be a game that is just absolutely dominated by the Ravens defense. If they have any shot, because if Cincinnati scores more than 23 points, I, I think they covered this game pretty easily. Um, and I, I think they do. They're, they're at home. And uh, you know, again, not really knowing what's going on with the seating. I think if you're Cincinnati, you just assume you have to win and you know, maybe you still have a chance at the one who knows, but uh, losing does not help your case here. So, so still plenty of uh, you know, plenty of things to play for, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, let's go to Texans Colts. Not a ton to say about this game. All-time meaningless game. However, you know, we're, we're looking at some pretty serious uh, NFL draft implications. Right, exactly. So I'm on the Texans. Um, but but again, when you bake in the, the draft implications here um, and, and the, the potential for Houston to mess up their, their way into, into getting or winning the, the Bryce Young sweepstakes, uh, are they really going to? But I don't see Lovey Smith doing it that way. I think that they're going to go in there and, and compete two and a half. Uh, you know, they, they could definitely, you know, still lose, um, but still cover. I am on the Texans. I, I just think Indianapolis, um, you know, th- this this is a true tank off. Absolutely. And uh, Indianapolis, the last couple of weeks have been pathetic. Sam, Sam Ellinger. Um, you know, for him, him to get the ringing endorsement from from Frank Reich saying he's going to start the rest of the year and then Reich gets fired. They bring in Jeff Saturday. Saturday doesn't even look at Ellinger until he absolutely has to. It's going to be a mess offensively for, mm-hmm. for Indianapolis as well. So um, as bad as Houston looked last week, they, they I would say on balance over the last month have shown a, a bit more moxie uh, that, than oh, this yeah. Indianapolis team. So I, I like Houston, even even if it's the smarter move for them to, to really – not do anything in this game. I don't think you can apply the smart move logic to Houston all the time. So here we go. Go Texans. Right. I think Houston has just kind of had the stink on them all season, but if you just take the last five or six weeks, they have been, they've been a bad team. I mean, there's no, no doubt about that, but I mean, they've probably been like the 27th or 28th best team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Like they have, they have not been the worst team for a while. They've, they've hung in with some, some really quality opponents. Of course they beat Tennessee. That's really what kind of started this whole uh, you know, fiasco of potentially losing the number one pick. And it is worth noting that Houston can't fall further than second. So it, it kind of depends how much they, they value first versus second. Obviously you'd prefer to pick first, but um, you know, that they, they might have you know certain guys in mind where it, it's not really that big of a deal. And with the Colts, they, they don't have a great chance to move up. They would currently pick fifth in the 2023 draft and the teams that are ahead of them. Um, you know, it's, you're watching like Denver, Arizona, like they're, they're likely, uh, to, to, to lose on Sunday. So you're probably not looking at moving up, but you could definitely move down if you win this game. So it, it's really hard. It's kind of competing for both sides. I, I think I went with the Colts and staff picks. I mean, this is an all time difficult game to pick. I I'd probably stay away from me. Yeah. It, it's, it's fascinating in terms of how meaningless that this yes. game is like it, it's, it's as far as like the on field uh, stakes are concerned. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's wild. And, and, you know, little gamesmanship here, just kind of thinking out the, the scenario when, when you mentioned how uh, the, the Texans couldn't fall any fur, further than second. 
the Bears, they have Justin Fields. So, like, the, if you're worried about uh, losing out on your quarterback uh, by by moving off the number one spot, I, you would be very thankful that that it's the Bears moving up and not uh, someone else that that is indeed uh, quarterback needy. So, I, I feel like the the number two draft pick for uh, regardless is kind of going to be up for, up for sale. I I still think it's going to be the the Bears at two and and to yeah. Houston the one, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like Houston, even if they win, they can still end up with, with Bryce Young, whereas, you know, Indianapolis, I, I guess it is a little yeah. bit trickier if they win. I will say, I do think the Bears, if they get the number one pick, I think it becomes Probably. an auction and yeah. somebody moves up and, you know, maybe takes Bryce Young. And obviously Houston's not going to want to have to pay to go from two to one, but we, we could talk ourselves in circles on this all day. I, I, I really have no idea how this is going to play out, but you said it. I mean, I would be prepared – in this Colts Texans game, I'd be prepared for hijinks, larks, pranks, antics, any of the chicanery, any of the above. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's just move on from this game. We need we need to cleanse our palate, uh, and to do so, we're going to Brown Steelers. Uh, this is the final game in the early window. Steelers two and a half point favorites. Uh, that the Steelers cannot play their way in, but they need a win to stay alive. Uh, also need a little bit of help. Um, do they get it done here? Two and a half point favorites at home. I'm going to say that they don't. I don't think that last week proved anything other than the Ravens are actually not good, but the Steelers are definitely not good either. It's not like the Browns are very good, so that's a it's a fair counter counterpoint there. But you know, Watson throws three touchdowns last week on nine completions. It was against Washington, to be fair. Ultra but efficient. Yeah, it just yeah, ruthless. But. Um, I think that maybe that is a little bit of signal that, yes, it took a while for, for it to start clicking. And he only completed, I think, like 50 percent of his passes. But yep. uh, maybe that, you know, this this Cleveland offense is going to be closer to full strength here. And I think that, you know, with, with the way that the NFL sets up the, these last week, of the regular season games where it's all divisional. I don't think the Browns just want to go ahead and let the Steelers keep themselves alive in, in the playoff hunt. So I think they want to go in there and, and win this game, ruin that season for the Steelers. And, you know, I, I still feel, you know, or I fall back on my analysis of, of Pittsburgh where they have talent in, in some spots, they have a terrible offensive line. I think that Miles Garrett and company are, are going to be able to eat it alive. I don't think that the Steelers are going to be able to run the ball at the same level of effectiveness that they did last week, even though Cleveland's run defense on balance is worse than the Ravens. I don't think that they necessarily figured anything out. I think that was just the Ravens choking, which they always seem to do in the second half this year. So the things that worked last week aren't going to work again the same way. And I think that the Steelers also have to contend with a much better offense uh, than what they did in Baltimore on Sunday night. So I, I think the Browns go in there and they win this one outright. Interesting. Okay. I, I think we get a, a another just typical AFC North low scoring game, no matter what. Uh, I will say that total in this game is hanging around 40. It's at 40 and a half right now at Ben MGM. I, I'm still not convinced on the Browns whatsoever. And, you know, like, like I said, the Steelers are, are still potentially playing for a playoff spot. They need, uh, they need New England to lose to Buffalo and they need Miami to lose to the Jets. Those both of those things could, could very well happen. So a lot on the line for Pittsburgh. If nothing else, the Mike Tomlin non-losing season streak remains on the line. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it really felt like the Steelers probably should have lost the last two games and pulled them both out, you know, late in the game, you know, game-winning touchdowns, game-winning field goals, things of that nature. I just, you can't keep doing that every week. You can't, you can't just depend on 
kind of getting these luck type of plays at the end of the game. So I, I don't feel strongly about it, but but I am on Pittsburgh two and a half. If it goes up to three, then it becomes a stay away. Okay. I mean, that, that's definitely fair. And that there's ways in which, you know, the, the Browns, even with Watson, have been very uninspiring yeah. for, mu- for much of this season. So, I mean, that, that it certainly could play out where, where the Steelers, who are a much better coach team, yeah. um, but, but I believe talent's about equal uh, here. Sure. It is in Pittsburgh. Something to be said for that, but all things considered, I just I think the edge at quarterback is significant enough, and and the rest of the the pieces there uh, for Cleveland to I think that they're just a bad matchup for for Pittsburgh basically, and and I think that they're going to you know uh, sour the Steelers' dreams. All right, in the late window, uh, we don't need to rehash Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Cardinals, Forty Niners. Like we hit those pretty good, so we got three games left. Chargers Broncos, uh, suddenly a very interesting game. This line uh, has been on the move pretty significantly uh, just in the last few hours, um, kind of completely reversed since the uh, an- announcement that Cincy and Baltimore will be played in the noon window. Uh, that, of course, means that the Chargers will know the result of that game before this game kicks off. And if the Ravens lose to Cincinnati, which we, we are both on the Bengals minus seven, uh, then the Chargers are, are locked in as the five seed. So, you know, if you're following the line movement, we're now seeing the Broncos as two and a half point favorites at home. Uh, I believe it was at, it was at Chargers three earlier today was as high as th- as three and a half at some other uh, inferior sports books. But you know, I, I think the the heavy implication here is that as of right now, uh, the general expectation is the Ravens lose, and then we see a situation where it's probably Chase Daniel under center for the Chargers. Chase Daniel, again, what one of the most legendary bag collectors. In oh, yeah. NFL history, I mean, for the the dollars per throw uh, that in his career, uh, sh- simply remarkable. Um, but yeah, I, I think that again, the Ravens are going to lose, and therefore the Chargers have nothing to nothing really to, to play for in this one, nothing to, to risk, nothing to venture. Um, so yeah, I think that we're going to see just kind of a, a second team type of approach here for, from uh, the Chargers, and therefore somehow I. I I think the Broncos, they want to kind of keep the the positive momentum going as best as they can. Uh, maybe, you know, get some of uh, the terribleness of this season out as they go into the off season. So I, I it's, it's wild how the line is shaped, but I mean, I, I think that you got to follow this movement and just kind of roll with it. And I think that the Broncos are the play here. Yeah, I think this is a a bit of a wait and see for me. Uh, you know, certainly there is some value in, in grabbing the Broncos now. I, I think that line could move perhaps even more in their favor if you know the the Ravens do indeed lose and, and we get you know official confirmation that you know not only Justin Herbert potentially not playing in this game, but you could you could see Austin Eckler not playing. You could see both of the the receivers, uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who, who are always you know fairly fragile, not playing in this game. And look, I mean the, the Chargers are are a very top heavy roster, right? They depend on their top like what five to eight guys, if you're talking offense and defense, and mm-hmm. if the bulk of those guys aren't playing, it becomes a, a very, very below average roster very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Top heavy, uh, very much like the roommates at SoFi stadium, the, the Rams, uh, yes. but at least the, the chargers this year, their top end players are actually good. Um, yeah, but it, similar, similar build in, in that, in that mm-hmm. sense. So you, you have to sit those guys because if they're injured, then you have even less of a shot uh, to, to make a run in the postseason, so you got to keep them healthy, mm-hmm. uh, even if 
you know, it, it going in a little bit rusty into the postseason. You know, there, there are cases to be made for for and against it, but um, yeah, I, I think the Chargers don't have that luxury, so that they they're going to see the results uh, in Cincinnati and go ahead and just let this one ride out. Yeah, it could be marching their way directly in to Fred Taylor Field for Wild Card Weekend if things break my way. Uh, this is another low total, by the way, sitting at forty right now at Bet MGM. We only have two games with a total over 43 this week. One of those is uh, Raiders Chiefs, that's 52 and a half, and then Lions Packers in the Sunday night window at 49. Uh, let's do Ram Seahawks quick, then we'll, we'll finish out with Lions Packers. Uh, Seahawks, six-point favorites. They, they're kind of in the same position as the Steelers. Uh, they, they cannot play their way in, but they need a win to stay alive, uh, and then they need Green Bay uh, to lose to the Detroit Lions on Sunday night. Uh, so, you know, the general expectation is that Seattle, you know, plays this out full game. You don't really worry about starters being pulled, anything like that. They need to make sure they win. But John McKechnie, do they cover six points at home? I don't think so. They, they obviously got off the mat last week. And and I, I think maybe some of my Rams confidence uh, here late in the season post the Baker Mayfield signing might not be the, the sharpest uh, in the world. But, uh, you know, they did play the Seahawks really close earlier this season, almost beat them uh, pre-Baker Mayfield. Um, so I, I don't know. I, th- I think the Rams, they're going to, they're going to come in there and I think they're going to, they're going to make this one a little bit uncomfortable for the, for the Seahawks. And I, I don't think the Seahawks will have the same type of success as they did last week against the road weary jets. Um, so I, I, I foresee, uh, the Rams making this one uncomfortable and covering and, uh, the Seahawks winning this one by like a field goal to stay alive. I kind of feel the same way. Uh, this one was split in staff picks. Uh, we, we actually had it at, at Rams six and a half. Um, I was pretty comfortable on the Rams there. You know, they, they kind of do have a, just like playing loose, playing for nothing type of energy these last few games. And they've, they've traded off being really competitive and kind of getting blown out. You know, last week it was not a banner week for the Rams, but I, I just think there's, there's this like berserker quality to Seattle where I think there are a lot of teams if they're in this position, you would say, okay, yeah, I trust them. They'll take care of business. They're at home. Like, you could totally see Seattle finding a way to, to make a complete mess of this game. And on the other side, I mean, we keep talking about draft position. The Rams do not owe their pick. It goes to Detroit. Mm-hmm. So they are on, they have no motivation to lose this game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's just completely out the window for them. The, the draft just like doesn't really exist in the Rams front office. No. They, they, they don't care for it. The, the only thing they care about is trading whatever picks they get to go get somebody else who's already established and it's worked for them. But, you know, there, there's the other side of it, which we've seen all season. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that, that the Lions are very pleased uh, with, with how things have gone. But um, at, at the same time, yeah, yeah I think the, the Rams aren't, aren't going into this one being like, oh, we, we, we got to you know, move up so we can get Keely Ringo or something. All right. We finish out Sunday night football, Lions, Packers. Uh, there, there's been some a uh, little bit of whining, you know, from from Lions fans about, uh, really Seattle fans, I guess, more than anything, you know, about this game uh, kind of being isolated, knowing the result of that Seattle game. I get it from the NFL's perspective. You know, the Packers having a chance to play their way in. It's a pretty compelling narrative. I think we forget sometimes that this is more about entertainment and TV ratings first than it is fairness. I think the NFL yep. has just proven that over and over again. Uh, anyway, we are seeing the Packers as four and a half point favorites at home at BetMGM. Uh, opened at three and a half, went up to four and a half pretty quickly. That's where it sat for most of the week. Uh, how are you looking at this game? This one, this, you know, the, this is the highlight of the week and, it, and it's, it's one of the trickiest. I mean, in a week where they're all really tricky, 
Uh, this one stands out um, because, you know, the Lions could be, you know, dead in the water by the time that, that the ball is kicked off. But um, I think that they're going to give the Packers all, all they could can handle. I, I, yeah, I guess I have a par- parallel thinking to this game as I do with the Rams versus uh, the Seahawks, but the Lions are actually like pretty good. Um, so they obviously beat the Packers earlier this year in a game that I don't think is super applicable to, to this game. You know, I don't think we had seen Christian Watson break out yet. The, the, who's the special teams guy? Keyshawn Nixon, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that he had uh, taken the world by, by storm just yet. Um, so totally different team uh, there in early November as compared to now. Um, I, I expect the Packers to win this one. I'm inclined actually to, to say that they cover as well. I think that the, this is going to fuel like the you know, if you're looking at uh, which old quarterback to hit your wagon to going into the postseason between Brady and Rogers, like I, I'm on team Rogers for that one uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, yeah, I just think that the, the Packers are, are going ahead and the, the lines are just going to kind of prove that they're not quite there yet in front of literally everybody. I think that's the most likely outcome. I will say, I think Green Bay still needs to approach this game with caution. I think the Lions have a ton of skill guys that could could really make this a game. I don't expect it to be anywhere close to the type of game that we saw last week in, in Green Bay against Minnesota. I, I think Detroit shows up. I, I think even if Seattle wins and Detroit can't make the playoffs, you know, that there's there's going to be some reduction in motivation. I think it's just innate. It just happens. But I don't think the Lions are going to lay down whatsoever. I think Dan Campbell is like the number one not even yeah. NFL coach, just number one person in the world that still wants to make this a meaningful game. Um, so I, I think Detroit is, is really going to give the Packers uh, a run for their money. I really do. I, I'm not quite ready to buy back in on this Packers defense. It's been fantastic the last two weeks, grading a ton of turnovers, but you can't necessarily bank on that every week. Uh, we, we know the, the Jared Goff outdoor numbers. We know the Jared Goff home versus road. You know, 23 of his 29 touchdowns have come at home this season. It's astonishing. It's certainly a mark in favor of Green Bay, but you know, kickoff temperature is going to be like 25, 30 degrees, no wind, no Balmy. precipitation. Like this is, this is not exactly, you know, the, the, the frozen tundra of Lambeau field. So I, I, you get, I get the sense talking to people in Wisconsin, like there's a lot of people just talking already about playing the 49ers and as if this game is in the bag. And like, I, I know that this is, you know, it's the Detroit lions, but this is not the, the traditional Lions. They, they've already lost this game to Detroit earlier this season. That was probably green Bay's lowest point, to be honest. That was the yes. two, two, uh, end zone interceptions by Aaron Rodgers, one of which was intended for David Bakhtiari uh, on a, a, like a leak out play. It was ugly. Is that um, one of Aiden said, Hutchinson's many interceptions this year? Uh, yes, it was. It was. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, you, you said it's like, that was a different green Bay team. It was, you're totally right. I think it was a different Detroit team at that time. That was their, that was what their second win of the season. When they beat green Bay, they had just lost five in a row. They had, mm-hmm. they had been blanked by new England. They had that ugly game against Dallas and since then, I mean, they have scored 31, 31, 25, 40, 34, 20, 23, 41 in every game since that Green Bay win, which was a 15 to nine, uh, just ugly fest. So I, I, I think this game, is, you know, the, the total is sitting up at 48. I think that's justified. Um, and I, I, I do still have my concerns about that Green Bay defense. So I, I took the, the Lions to cover. I think the Packers win this game, but I don't think they do it overly convincingly. I, I will be in the house, John. Hey. at Lambeau Field on Sunday night. So I will say I'm glad, I'm happy with this time slot for uh, pregame preparation purposes, if you will. Uh, it's going to be a good time, but I, I'm fully expecting to, to you know, kind of witness a, a nervous crowd at Lambeau Field. I, I don't think they're going to have this one sewn up at halftime like last week. 
Yeah, I'm I'm hoping, you know, similar to, to last year, but, you know, ultimately ending in your favor and also the Packers covering, but something goofy like the last game of the season last year between the, the Chargers yeah. and the Raiders on that Sunday night game. Could absolutely see that. Uh, all right, let's get to the parlays of the week. We got a teaser of the week as well. Uh, let, let's lead it off with your afternoon delight parlay, John. Okay. All right. Here, here we go. Um, so this uh, all in the in the late afternoon window. Uh, give me the Giants plus fourteen. Give me the Broncos minus two and a half, and give me the Rams plus six. That checks in for a nice little plus five ninety five payout. Okay. Good stuff there. I like it a lot. I'm going to go with the Cowboys minus seven. I'm going to go with the Steelers minus two and a half. And I'm going to go with the Packers minus four and a half. I'm kind of hedging a little bit here. I, I know I said I, I took the Lions in staff picks. One of these is going to be right. So yeah, uh, you're right. play both sides here. And this also gets you to plus 595. So, so we're in agreement there. Uh, you're going Giants, Broncos, Rams, uh, all those spreads. I'm going Cowboys, Steelers, and Packers. Let's go to the underdog parlays of the week. Okay, so the, these have two money lines and a spread. Uh, give me the Browns money line plus 120. Give me the Texans money line plus 120. And give me the Panthers plus three and a half in New Orleans. That'll get you a nice little 824. So $8.24 for every $1 that you put on that. Not too shabby. The old uh, Deshaun Watson, Davis Mills, Sam Darnold parlay. We, we love it. Just how we drew it up. Uh, you know, just what I envisioned uh, when, when we sat down to, to do this podcast back, back in uh, early September. All right. So I'm going with a money line and two spreads here. I'm with you on the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers money line. I, I, think, they, I think they can win this game straight up. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens plus seven here. I am. You know, I, I think you know, talking about that defense, kind of a tough spot for Cincinnati. Uh, divisional battle. We'll, we'll see if they can keep it close. And I'll take the Titans plus six and a half on Saturday night. Uh, we we talked about that game. I, I, a little bit, a little bit of an emotional hedge, actually a, a complete emotional hedge, <laughs> uh, but we still, you know, we still need help from, from your Ravens and from the Panthers here. Uh, that brings you to plus seven seventy four. Again, that's Panthers money line Ravens plus seven Titans plus six and a half. We now move to this week's teaser. We are going with another seven pointer last year or last week, excuse me, complete disaster. Uh, the chiefs sunk us. Uh, we, we teased the Colts up to 13 did not matter at all that they were never <laughs> close to covering that. Uh, we, we also teased the Vikings up to 10 and a half, not even close, never even mattered. Uh, so this week I, I like the numbers here they're, they're more favorable than last week. I'll say that. Uh, so seven pointer, this gets you to plus one thirty. We are going to tease the chiefs from nine and a half down to two and a half. So they got to win by a field goal against the Raiders. We are going to tease the Vikings from seven and a half down to 0.5. So just got to win straight up against the Chicago bears. And we are going to tease that Brown Steelers total, John up from 40 and a half to 47 and a half. And we're of course going to take the under on that. So chiefs two and a half Vikings just got to win Cleveland Pittsburgh under 47 and a half. My God, if, if that Steelers Browns game <laughs> hits the over on, on the, on the tease total, <laughs> I don't like at that point, like we, we got to both just go take a long walk. Yeah. I, is that the biggest liability of these? I don't know. For some reason, I find myself thinking it's the chiefs. Cause like, I just, I don't see the bears winning that game against Minnesota. No. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's somehow it's going to find a way to lose. It, it very well could, but yeah, I mean, on paper right now, it, it, it looks great to me and that that's, what's concerning. All right. If you're throwing in 
any parlays, if you want to tail us on those, if you want to jump on the teaser of the week, make sure you're doing that over at betmgm.com, betmgm app. And of course, use our promo code BETROTO. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. John, let's lock it up. Who are you going with this week? Give me the Browns plus two and a half in Pittsburgh. I, oh, no. I, it's, you know what? It's such a weird week. I'm just, I'm leaning into it. I'm steering into the skid. Give me the Brownies to play spoiler in Pittsburgh on Sunday. I have no comment on that. I am, uh, you're, you're a brave man for making that your best bet. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm going with Minnesota, seven and a half. I know it's, it's not a, it's not a friendly line. That's for sure. Um, you know, you prefer that that be, you know, a, a point lower, but it's not. And that's what happens when you play against Nathan Peterman. Uh, we, we've laid it out. If, if you want to listen back to our, our discussion on Vikings bears, you know, just hit that minus 15 button a few times. You could find it. Um, you know, I, I again, I, I don't see the bears wanting to win this game. I think they're waving the white flag with Peterman and there's still something to play for here with Minnesota, especially being that only game in the early window. So Browns two and a half. For John McKechnie, I will go with the Vikings minus seven and a half against the Chicago Bears. That will do it for the week 18 edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast. Again, make sure you're betting on BetMGM this weekend, betmgm.com, the BetMGM app. And it is very, very important that you use our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Best of luck this weekend. Happy birthday, Mom. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.